Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Case Podcast. This is Joy Clark. Uh, today on the Case Podcast, I have a guest, Peter Chesna, who's here to talk to us about security. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Joy. Pleasure to be here. So, can you briefly introduce yourself? Sure. So, I've been a uh, software developer for over 25 years. Uh, I've been at Veracode, uh, a CA company, since uh, 2006. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I go out and speak a lot about application security to, to both a security audience and a developer audience. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, well, our podcast is called The Case Podcast, which stands for Conversations About Software Engineering. Um, uh, and so for this podcast, I think what I would like to focus on is how uh, developers can help um, make applications more secure. So... Maybe you can talk something about that. <laughs> sure. Yeah, absolutely. So this is uh, the, the first step. So the one thing that I talk about more than anything else has nothing to do with technology. It doesn't have to do with process. It has to do with accountability. Mm-hmm. So unless we are gold as software engineers to take care of security, then we never will. Mm-hmm. If your goal is I ship software fast, then that's the only thing you're going to be concerned with. So the higher level management needs to say, we are going to take accountability. We will be measured and report on how we do on that. Mm-hmm. And that will start to change those behaviors. So you need to start there because if you don't, then you're just pushing the rock uphill. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so the uh, talk you were giving today was called AppSec in the DevOps World. Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe you can talk a little bit about the role that application security plays with DevOps. Absolutely. So the thing that is obvious is that developers weren't trained in application security. Mm-hmm. If they get any security at all, it's probably around networking security or something else. And maybe there's a small mm-hmm. smattering of talking about, uh, as you said uh, earlier today, buffer overflows. But <clears throat> the larger problem of the OWASP top 10 mm-hmm. and you know the kinds of concerns and the, the reasons that companies are breached today isn't really taught. So the security team needs to be responsible for training the developers, helping them know what they don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's kind of the, that's where it starts. It needs to start with the training. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as far as the OWASP top 10 goes, uh, could you briefly explain what that is? Sure. So it stands for uh, Open Web Application Security mm-hmm. Project. So it's about the kinds of things that uh, cause web applications to be breached, the, mm-hmm. the most prevalent things that we see in the industry. And that really, if you look at that list over time, it, has, it hasn't changed a whole lot. Mm-hmm. There are some very simple things that 10 years ago we thought would have been a solved problem like right now, like uh, SQL injection, mm-hmm. you know, where developers are being lazy, they're concatenating strings to create their SQL queries so they are susceptible to SQL injection. Mm-hmm. And until they get to the point where they take the proper preventative measures by using prepared statements, then this, this problem continues. So if you look at that OWASP top mm-hmm. 10 SQL injection, cross-site scripting, uh, use of insecure components, which of course, you know, one of the things I brought up in my talk was the Equifax breach, mm-hmm. which was caused by using an insecure third-party component. Mm-hmm. Um, so we talked about the SQL injection, cross-site scripting. Mm-hmm. Do you, what is cross-site scripting? So it's <clears throat> displaying uh, in, it's displaying malicious uh, content. Uh, mm-hmm. So it could cause some scripts to be run. It could redirect you to a different site, unknowing to you. Uh, if you take input from a user, you need to you need to sanitize it and then present it back to the user in a way that can't be 
uh, use. So if you're displaying HTML, mm -hmm. if I go into that HTML and then I put in uh, a, an alert or a redirect or something else inside of there, a link to another website that causes my content to be loaded, then mm -hmm. you know you fall victim to whatever it is that I did. So you need to be cautious about what you take in and what you display. Okay. Um, so we'll definitely link to the OWASP uh, top 10 in, the, in uh, the show notes. Are there any other vulnerabilities on that list that are worth mentioning? Probably all of them, right? True. <laughs> I, you know, I think the, the biggest one for me is the insecure components. Mm -hmm. So this is uh, a problem that uh, we're mostly blind to. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you take in, as a software engineer, you, you find the component that does what you need, you insert it into your code, and then you forget about it forever. Mm -hmm. And unless you have to incorporate some new functionality, you never really look at that. So it's not less secure than first party code, it's just never looked at again. So you are constantly running over your first party code, adding mm -hmm. new features and functionality. As a byproduct, you're kind of refreshing that code as you go. And what tends to happen is if you take a look at uh, the open source vulnerability that caused the Equifax breach, mm -hmm. that could have been in the code for as much as nine years. Mm -hmm. So if, if nine years ago I incorporated struts into my application and I haven't upgraded till now, now that it's mm -hmm. a security concern, I have to go through those nine years of upgrades or rewrite mm -hmm. the component or something to account to get up to the secured version. So as developers, we can't get lazy with the technical mm -hmm. debt that we introduce into the application. We at least need to make the decision that we are or we're not going to spend time to do the upgrades as mm -hmm. we go through the, the software lifecycle. So that's how we can protect against, uh, against using insecure components. It's by upgrading regularly? Well, it, it, won't, it won't necessarily prevent it, but it makes it easier to go to the newer versions. So they'll mm -hmm. patch forward. They won't go back nine years and patch all of the previous versions. So you can't find a nine-year-old patched version of that component. You have to jump to the latest one. So the, the cost of incrementally moving your code base mm -hmm. to all of the new software that goes through the lifecycle uh, allows you to quickly move to the newer components mm -hmm. versus having multi-man month or multi-man year uh, costs to do those mm -hmm. upgrades. Okay. Um, so are there any other uh, items on the top 10 list that you like to talk about? Uh, you know, I'd or rather I'd rather start small okay. because you, you can become overwhelmed with uh, the things that you need to worry about. Yeah. Uh, there are tools out there and available. Uh, certainly as a vendor, uh, we produce one, but mm -hmm. there are lots of tools in the industry that allow you to do what's what we call shift left, which is not a new term in the industry, but you know, this kind of the, the idea that, uh, you want to find and inspect quality in as early as possible. So when you're writing your code, mm -hmm. that's the time to test it for security concerns. You can find them then, and then you can fix them easily as opposed to writing code. And if you are in a agile project and you release once a month, you may have written something on day one that on mm -hmm. day 25 you find has a security problem. What are all of the software changes that you're now going to need to make as a result of changing the one thing that you have to fix? Mm -hmm. So that cost now becomes escalated. So that kind of cost curve around fixing a bug is no different in, in security. So mm -hmm. trying to find it as early as possible and, and take care of it. And really you should be driven by the threat concerns and the security uh, posture that your company is asking you to do and not necessarily OWASP top 10. Okay. Although that, that's one that you want to think about. Uh, it might not be the only one. You might have to do PCI if you are you know, responsible for dealing with payment cards or uh, in healthcare, mm -hmm. uh, dealing with PII. So those concerns are really 
should be driven by the company that you're with and the kind of application that you write. Okay. Um, so when it comes to, uh, uh, you did a talk about application security and, um, one thing that's not always clear to me is what exactly is included in application security. Um, I think when I think of application security, of course, web security, but it seems like there would be more things that are included um, sure. in application security. So can you maybe try to define it? Uh, hmm. All right, so it's, it seems like a very broad umbrella. It is. It is. It, you, so you think about the application that you deploy. Well, that deployment sits on top of some kind of an application container, be that Tomcat or JBoss or .NET Framework or what have you. So that itself is other software that mm -hmm. could be vulnerable. You then sit on top of a machine that is networked to other machines, even if that's in a mm -hmm. container. So you have to think about networking security mm -hmm. and how, how can you protect the application or the database that it's connected to from becoming uh, vulnerable and by someone getting access and getting onto that machine. So this kind of struts vulnerability, when it's executed, you actually run in the context of the container that's running the application, mm -hmm. which is usually someone that has a lot of power. Mm -hmm. Once you get there, now you can hop around the machine, you can uh, open up files, you can do lots of malicious things. Uh, so it, it expands from the actual first party application that you deployed to all of those things, mm -hmm. uh, to the perimeter, to the firewalls. Mm -hmm. Uh, if you can get onto those machines, you know, that's a bad thing. So mm -hmm. there's a small portion of this that is, talks about, you know, being able to be found through static analysis, uh, looking at those open source components through software composition analysis to looking from a, so those are kind of inside out technologies, mm -hmm. dynamic analysis being an outside in. So I look at the website as it's running, I might find configuration issues. So one of the things that can happen as a result of running in these containers, if you don't configure them properly is they could leak information. Mm -hmm. So if I knew through security headers or headers or HTML returns or what have you that you're running on Tomcat, you know, thus and such, mm -hmm. then I might know that there are vulnerabilities against that. So those are kind of the things that you need to look for to say, I can't give anyone any information because once they have that information, they can use it against me. Mm -hmm. So it, it does grow quite a bit, uh, but the focus for a development team should be more on the application itself and protecting from some easy stuff. SQL injection mm -hmm. is very easy to protect against, but mm -hmm. can be very harmful to your company. Mm -hmm. How does a, how does like, um, uh, if you're running with an embedded server like Jetty, how does mm -hmm. that differ and as far as security goes from like uh, like when you create, I don't know exactly <laughs> <laughs> the name for all of it, but when you're running on Tomcat or something? Well, so the application itself can still be vulnerable. So yeah. you know, it doesn't matter what container you're running in and every environment tends to be different. So whether it's cloud or whether it's on-premise, uh, whether it's a container that's running Tomcat or whether you're running on a physical machine that's running Tomcat or a virtual machine, all of those things are becoming software. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, even uh, now if you look at containers and VMs and, and those kind of things running in those virtualized environments, they're actually just, even your network now becomes code that's mm -hmm. running. You're not sharing a physical line, you are part of a virtual line. So. It's all those layers of software that need to be secured and thought about. So it becomes a very hard problem to solve. Mm -hmm. And for development teams, really, the focus should be on their first party stuff and the libraries that they bring into it. So what do you? What is your <coughs> feeling about everyone putting everything in Docker and just like shoving stuff around everywhere? 
Because I, I, I do, I like compile Docker the images. I have no idea what I'm doing. And then I'm like, okay, just run this Docker image somewhere. So, yeah, so that's an interesting, <laughs> it's an interesting question. So the, the questions around security become, where did you get that image? Mm -hmm. uh, what's inside of that image? So did you start with something that was clean? Is it, uh, you know, in the case of security, you talk about, uh, you know, having the lowest level privileges that you need to do anything. Mm -hmm. So do you have the lowest level of software on there that you need to do everything? Or is there additional software that's, that's come along for the ride that you didn't know about and didn't intend? Mm -hmm. Can you find the, the most stripped down version of a container that you need mm -hmm. and then only add in those components that you need? So in, uh, the, the problem with this is that we, we as developers are now taking over realms that used to be the realm of uh, IT or mm -hmm. systems engineering. <clears throat> or security. So security would typically provide a hardening document for an operating system. So if I was going to run Windows 10, the security team would provide a document that says, turn off this service, uninstall these components, configure it this way, and then based on that, you would have a hardened image that would, you would use to install your applications. Mm -hmm. Now that we're using containers, developers are just choosing, sometimes without thinking, what container they're going to run in, who knows how it's configured, who knows if it's secure or not, mm -hmm. and then we deploy it, and now we've deployed all of those uh, those vulnerabilities. Those also have open source in them. Mm -hmm. So if you think about writing an application and it's running in production, and now I'm done, I've moved on to something else. Mm -hmm. If there's a vulnerability in that component, do you even know that you shipped that component? If you did, then how do you patch it? You're essentially rebuilding your application without changing your application, but you're changing the environment it's running mm -hmm. in and redeploying that container. So there's a lot of things that you have to think about as we get more into the, you know, infrastructure as code and building out, um, building out in containers and, and, and these kind of things. This is what I call a full spectrum engineer mm -hmm. where now you don't, it's not important to me that you know every language that there is, right? Full stack engineers are, kind of the thing of the present and a little of the mm -hmm. past. What's now we're now moving to is multidiscipline engineer where you need to understand operations, you mm -hmm. need to understand security, you need to understand systems and engineering because you're picking out these containers. All of those choices that you need to make now fall across disciplines that you weren't trained in and weren't usually your responsibility. Yeah. So how do you account for that? I and, don't know. <laughs> and, you know. The question I often get asked is that, you know, the, this waterfront is now so large mm -hmm. because you're also dealing with quality now right? Because you're writing unit tests, you're writing integration tests and those kind of things. That wasn't the realm of the developer 20 years ago. So as we grow these things, how do we train on them? How do we make sure that we know the things that are most important? Mm -hmm. And that's really where uh, the security team and the IT and the systems engineering team need to help us and train mm -hmm. us. Uh, then the question because, becomes, how much time do you have to spend on those? Because I couldn't be exhaustive and learn everything about security. You know, no. I can learn so much that can be useful, but then, you know, yeah. the next part might be I fall down in containers yeah. or I fall down in operations. Yeah, I find that one, to be one of the things I, I guess it's a bit frustrating to me because I like, I find security fascinating and I'm always like, I want to learn more, but then I don't have the time because I, I program all the time. Right. I don't have the time to spend looking at what's the new next thing. Um, different things are getting vulnerable, vulnerabilities are being discovered all the time. Mm -hmm. and. Um, when I use a Docker image, I mean, how do I even know if the Docker image is vulnerable or not? Um, I don't know. <laughs> eventually, eventually the industry will catch up with these things. Yeah. Uh, right now you need to, you know, leverage the teams that, that typically do this stuff in your companies to ha mm -hmm. have them help and help you understand what, what choices you're making and what the consequences of those are. Mm-hmm. 
you know, this is really creating that bill of materials. So when you, sh it's like, uh, you know, you buy a candy bar and it's got a list of ingredients. If you ship an application, um, whether that be on its own into a production environment or in a container into an environment, what is on that machine? What is in that mm -hmm. image? Yeah. If you don't have that list, then if you find out there's a vulnerability, how do you even know if it if it's something mm -hmm. that you should be concerned with? Um, yeah. You were talking, uh, we talked, I think, I don't know, some at some point in time about uh, static analysis. Mm -hmm. um, could you maybe tell us what that is? Sure, absolutely. So static analysis is an inside out kind of technology. So uh, not unlike running Lint mm -hmm. or uh, running unit tests and looking at code coverage, these are things that can be run while the code isn't running, right? They can, they can look at either source code, which a lot of companies do, or in our case, we use binary static analysis. So we take the deployed artifact. Mm -hmm. So if that's a war file or an ear file or some kind of executable, we'll take that and look at it. And we'll look at that from the inside out, take a look at the components that are shipped with it, and any known vulnerabilities with those. We'll find vulnerabilities inside of your code by looking at the uh, where data comes in and where it's utilized. So, you know, we look at what we call a taint to sync. So, if there's an input that comes in from a web page, or you read from a document, or read from a database, um, those inputs aren't necessarily trusted, mm -hmm. and we need to figure out. Where did that data come from? Who can manipulate it? And what effect does that have uh, later on down the line? Such that when you say run a uh, an exec in your operating mm -hmm. system, well, what command are you running? Is it something that you know is is hard coded part of your application that knows exactly what it's doing, or was it based on some user input that now maybe uh, make you vulnerable? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So can you do that with Docker files too? Um, some companies can. Are, are, we're working towards mm -hmm. being able to t introspect on the Docker container. You can certainly take a look at that bill of materials. Like I said, there are, are libraries and, and other things inside of that, that that may or may not have known vulnerabilities. So uh, there are companies working towards that effort, and so and we are as well. Cool. So uh, in your talk uh, today, you were really focusing on DevOps um, and how DevOps... Uh, and application security need to go um, together. Uh, so how can we make that work? Um, how can we uh, integrate security so tightly into uh, our development process? So that's a great question. You know, if you think about um, the definition of done in Agile, mm -hmm. right? And most DevOps is run on top of Agile, whether that be Kanban or, or uh, Scrum, or, or Scrum Bon, or well, you know, whatever flavor you happen to run, when you pick up a story to go and, and write it, mm -hmm. there should be some definition of done that you follow. So the first step in that is understanding that security should be in that list. Mm -hmm. So whatever tools you choose to buy um, <clears throat> or, or bring in as open source, uh, those should be run prior to check-in. The, the, you know, the whole idea in DevOps is to fail fast, is to inspect quality in as soon as possible. So if you can do that inside of your development cycle prior to getting it into the source code base, then your CI, CD pipelines should always be green. They should flow right to production mm -hmm. or right to whatever the endpoint is for that process. That process should always work. So those are, you know, what we would call assurance scans. Mm -hmm. Even though you should run unit tests as part before your check-in, you run them afterwards as well. So you always run them in your CI process because you need to validate that those were actually run. 
I mean, how many times as a developer have you done, oh, this code change won't hurt anybody. I'm just going to check it in. I don't have time to run the unit tests. Then you find out that you actually broke something. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's those kind of things that we need to train out by having the, the things in the pipeline as an assurance. But what happens prior to check-in is the most important part. And building that discipline into the team to take the accountability for the outcomes, provide the training and tools that they need to be able to run it in a quick way such that it doesn't get in their way. Mm-hmm. So that, that's really the key is the tools really in the, only in the last two years have been fast enough to be able to run in your environment such that you could do those checks prior to check-in. So this whole idea of shifting security left is the result of those, those improvements. Well, when you say it like that, it sounds like uh, DevOps does not only include uh, continuous integration and operations. It sounds like it includes something else. <laughs> yeah, so a de- I mean a DevOps team... And again, I, I hear a lot of different flavors of this. A DevOps team needs to have everything that they need to be able to build and ship their product. So if security is part of that, then you need to have some security responsibility on your on your team. That typically takes the form of something like a security champions program mm-hmm. where you get some additional, there are members of your team that know a little bit more about security. Because again, not everyone can know everything. Mm-hmm. So you need to be able to train up certain people. So as you might have people that are more skilled in quality, you would probably also have people that are more skilled in operations or monitoring or logging or what have you. This, you want to do the same thing with security and build that as a muscle inside of the team such mm-hmm. that you don't need outside-in influence. You don't need people to come in and tell you what to do. You as a team figure out how to do it well. <clears throat> and there'll always be there'll be failures along the way. Mm-hmm. Failure is okay in DevOps. You just want to find the quickest place that you could have made fixed that mistake build in a new test, and then go forward. And how is the uh, working together with the security people? Does that sometimes, uh, I guess you'd have to really make sure you're communicating well. Um, I, I don't know how the security, do the security people, they probably want the developers to know something about security, or do they think that they are the only ones who can do security? It depends on the team. Some, <laughs> some security people think developers are idiots. Well, We yeah. know that's not true, you and I. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more, we don't know what we don't know. We were never trained in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, developers are eager learners. They take a lot of pride in their work. Uh, so we, when you give them the responsibility and the tools to measure, then they end up with better outcomes. So the security team needs to work with us, and not against us. Mm-hmm. It can't be done at the end like it is typically done with pen testing, etc. If you're releasing multiple times a day, it really needs to be baked into the way you write software, the way you test software, and the way you release software, and it can't have people in the middle of it. Um, so, you know, it's about, it's all about building the right culture. Great. Um, do you have any other strategies we can use uh, for integrating application security into DevOps? Yeah, again, I, I don't want to overwhelm people. It's really uh, about driving that accountability model. Mm-hmm. It's about buying the right tools, about taking accountability for your own work prior to check-in. If you can get to that point, so you know, usually on a maturity scale, you look at, uh, I don't know anything about the security of my application, to I've scanned it once, to I continue to scan it, in which case now I'm, I'm being reactive, right? So I, I check things and I fix things and I check things and I fix things to the next stage, which is where you can get to of, I'm now measuring for new things. So I, I, don't, I know that we're fixing things, but I wanna make sure that I'm not introducing new stuff onto the pile, so I'm not creating new technical debt uh, as a result of my check-in. So mm-hmm. once you start doing those things prior to your check-in, you're now at that fourth level of maturity where I'm being proactive. 
I'm making those tests and running those tests before I check in so I don't increase the security debt inside of the application. Okay. Um, my last final wrap-up question would be if you could give any resources that uh, we could use to improve our knowledge of security. Yeah, so uh, the OWASP website is a great mm -hmm. one to start with. Uh, certainly the Veracode website has a lot of uh, detailed information on it as well. Mm -hmm. uh, if you look at the PCI standards, for instance, it's another great place. The SANS uh, Top 25 is another list of, of known vulnerability types. Uh, so I would start with that area mm -hmm. and then start looking at how you can incorporate some tooling into your, into your work stream. Okay. Well, thank you so much uh, for taking the time to let me ask you a whole bunch of questions. <laughs> no problem. It was a pleasure. Thanks, Joy. You're welcome to all our listeners. Until next time.